today. We're starting a series called To Be Continued. How many of you want us to continue what we've been doing? But not just continue, but to continue in better ways. How many of you want to continue on your walk with the Lord, but go deeper in ways that you've never seen God before? I mean, that's, that's what I want. I mean, I've been in church since I was five years old, but I want to see God in ways that I've never seen before. And I'm not talking about all the, I'm not talking about the shows and the cool, I'm just talking about I want to know God uh, more than I've ever known Him. I want, I want a deeper relationship with Him. And yeah, there's lots of benefits to that, but everything He does is so that you can know Him. It's about that relationship. That is the, that is the premise. That is the, the, the thing that God so desires uh, to, to do in our life, and, and all through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelations, he keeps saying this, I want to be your God, and I want you to be my people. Amen? I want, I want your affection, and I want you to know that you, you have God's affection. That's what God wants us to know. And uh, so, so the next month, uh, some things that are going on. Uh, first off, um, uh, we're going to be giving out some gifts the next few Sundays. Uh, today, if you haven't, I mean, we're going to start small and get big, right? So today, uh, we're giving out uh, new uh, stickers, you know, vehicle stickers, you know, for your Gateway Church. So you can let everybody know where you go to church and support us. And uh, it, it is, in a way, evangelistic, right? To say, hey, I go to Gateway Church, and it helps us uh, to get the word out we're here so people will know. Uh, it's amazing how God made us more known through the storm. And, uh, you know, some people think this is still a feed store. Uh, I'm surprised we don't get calls anymore asking, you know, for horse feed. I did get a call for that when I was a youth pastor one time. Do y'all have any horse feed? I'm like, no, the kids ate it all, so y'all have to go somewhere else. Uh, so uh, also uh, next week we're having a gift. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You'll have to come to find out. It'll be a one-time give out. So if you don't come, it's a special commemorative edition. And also the, the third Sunday we're going to be giving out new church T-shirts, right? So today, we're actually taking sizes. It's, it's a free T-shirt, right? So if you don't get one, you're, you're a moron, right? I mean, because all you got to do is say, I'm a size, you know, medium, whatever. But it's for your kids, your whole family. We want to bless you guys. And, uh, you know, it's just a gift from us to you to, to thank you for your support and especially your generosity, man. I'm telling you what, this, if, if, if pastors knew how generous you guys were, they'd be jealous, Really, they'd be trying to swap churches with me, but I'm going to say no, okay, because I know better. And uh, you guys are so generous. We just wanted to bless you guys. Uh, and also, another thing today is today we're starting a fast. This is the most exciting thing, right? Boy, y'all are fakers. No, honestly, you know, a fast, and this is what we're doing. You know, I've, I've done prescribed. It's really hard to do something that really ain't on your heart to do, right? And, uh, you know, and, and so, like, man, you know, good thing Jesus ain't preaching today because he might prescribe some really hard fast that I wouldn't want to do myself. Now, what we're wanting to do is this is, you know, I heard something about fast that really changed my, my mentality about fast. Here's a fast. You know, the, the, the whole thing about walking with Christ is dying to ourselves. How often? Daily, right? Well, as we walk, you know, Jesus says that, you know, he told Peter when they were washing feet that, you know, we don't, we don't need to take a bath again, right? Because I'm saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, water baptized, amen? So I don't need to do all that again. But as we go through life, our feet get dirty, amen? And, and a fast is a good time to say, where am I letting the dirt build up in my life? And shut that down, amen, get some power over it. Me, it's, it's cake and ice cream. That's going to be some mandatory things that... You know, and it's, it's not a diet, it's just, man, them things make me do what they want me to do, you know, so I'm, I'm going to tell them what to do, and, uh, you know, so that's part of what I'm doing, so I want you to just pray and say, God, what is it in my life that is, that is too strong, 
that is an inhibitor in my spiritual walk that I need to put aside, you know? Uh, maybe you know you're cheating on your wife. Maybe you need to fast from that for 21 days, you know? No, maybe you just need to stop that, right? You know, just stop that for good. But, but I want you to pray. You can do, that was funny, wasn't it? You can, do a, you can do a Daniel fast, okay? Like you cannot read the book of Daniel for 21 days. Oh, no, that's, oh, that's not what that is? Okay, something else. But no, you guys know in general what fasting is. Um, unless you're really, really tough, I wouldn't do the 21 days with no food and water. You might die on the job or something. But, but really, there's, there's different types of fast, and there's also what they call a soul fast. Maybe some of you maybe need to not talk for 21 days. Maybe, you've, maybe you spoke enough for the next 20 years, and you just need to be quiet, you know? I don't know. Maybe you need to get off social media. Uh, maybe, you, you know, but the thing, the thing that is besetting you, Shut it down. So I'm, I'm giving it to the Lord for 21 days. Or maybe it's just not a, a negative influence in your life. And, uh, and, it, and that very well could be food, right? I mean, so whatever it is, I want to encourage you to say, Lord, what do you want me to fast from for 21 days? It starts tonight at dark, and it ends on the 28th at, at, at dusk. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the deal. As we're fasting... Pray that God shows you things about your life in general that he needs you to address, that he needs you to do, that he needs you to repent of, that he needs you to seek, or, or whatever it may be. Just the, the whole point of fasting is to, to, to deny your flesh and, and allow the Spirit to stand up and, and connect with God. So uh, we're going to do that from dusk tonight till dusk 28th. On the 28th, we're going to have a party. Amen? We'll have a big old party. And, man, we're going to be, if you're on a food fast, we will break the fire out of that food fast, right? We're going to feast. Because not only does the Bible call for times of fast, it calls for times of feasting. And so we're going to have a feast, and we're going to party, and we're going to thank God for the 25 years that he's given us. And it's, it's going to be, the, the feast is actually going to be, as far as I'm concerned, an act of worship to the Lord. Just to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you've done in our lives. And so... Um, yeah, so I think I've covered everything. Uh, in this fast, make sure you pray for the church, for the direction, uh, for, for leadership. I mean, for everything that, that the Lord puts on your heart. And uh, Oh, and, and lastly, on the 28th, we will be taking a special offering. For those of you that know, we, we bought this land next door. And until that land is paid off, we can't, I can't tear anything up. I can't knock any buildings down. I can't make any holes. I can't do anything until it's ours, 100%. So I want right now, it's real simple. Sometimes we get too caught up on long range. Well, what's in front of us now is paying off that property. And so I really feel that, that the Lord uh, wants us to, to really try to make an effort at that. And, uh, but what's cool is I'm not going to do any formal thing where you sign a dotted line saying, I'm, gonna give, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put it in your heart, in your prayer life, and in your hands and say, God, what do you want us to give? And I believe he'll, get, he'll tell you. That's what you want to give. You don't want to give what I've told you. What, you know, what Mickey's told you, you want to give what God has told you. And I believe when you honor God in that, he'll, he'll honor your life and bless your life. Amen? And so, uh, awesome. And also on Wednesday nights, we're going to be looking at, at, our, at our, our vision of grace, glorifying, uh, relating, anchoring, uh, contributing, and extending the gospel. If you have any questions, how many of you, um, well, I don't know, but if you have any questions concerning worship or relationships, or anything like that. And this pretty much covers pretty much anything. If you have any questions, uh, Jennifer, or where's Jennifer? Is there a way to, for them to ask those questions? Okay, on Facebook? 
Okay, so on the app and on Facebook, there will be a place for you to ask questions. And I encourage you to ask questions. I want to teach you, but I really want to find out what are you, what are you, what are you struggling with? What are you wanting to know? What are you needing answers to so that we can address those things? Amen? Amen. All right. Well, let's get into the Word this morning. If you would, turn to Revelations chapter 2. And uh, you're like, oh my God, we're starting a new year, and he's already going into Revelations. That's scary. Well, is that, who said that? Yeah, Miss Judy's like, that's exactly what I said. Well, first off, I want to tell you, I'm not here to preach a, a doom and gloom message. I'm actually here to to set a a an, an, uh, to cast a vision of what we should be going towards. Amen. I mean, it's it's hard it's hard to get somewhere if you don't know exactly where you're going. And when it comes to church and our spiritual lives. If you don't know where God wants you to go, you can spend a lot of time wasted and frustrated and, and you know, and, and just fruitless. And, and I don't know if, if you're like me or not, which I'm sure you are. You want to make sure that, that you make good use of your time. You don't want to waste time in your spiritual life. But you know what? I also, too, I believe we fail so many times as Christians because we separate our spiritual lives from our earthly lives. And I'm going to tell you what, it's all the same thing if you are a child of God. If you've been born again, everything you have, you are, and, and it, it belongs to God. It's a part of, of his kingdom, of his family, uh, of his life. And we need to bring all that into subjection and to the Lord uh, so, that we, so that we can live a life of blessing as the only way to really live a life of blessing is to walk in the word, right? It's a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And so I began to, man, I had several things that I wanted to preach, but I felt like they were just too... Uh, they were just two words of wisdom and human stuff, you know. I'm like, they were, they were. I really couldn't, I really couldn't find something in the Bible that just really laid down the foundation for these for these things that were on my mind. And until I, I think this, I think it might have been last night or this morning. I don't know, but but the Lord brought me to to the Book of Revelations because of this. Uh, how many of you know the the letters to the seven churches? You know, here's the thing: those letters. They commended the good and they rebuked the bad. And, and, uh, and, and I'm not here to rebuke you this morning. What I'm here to tell you is, is we need to find out what makes God happy considering his church. What, what is God looking for when it comes to his church? What is he expecting of us? What does he delight in? And what, it, what produces the fruit that God wants to produce in his church? You know, Ephesians says that God wants to manifest himself through the church. Man didn't create the church. God created the church. Jesus died for the church. The church is the bride of Christ. Amen? And, and I think we have, we have so focused on the, the individuality of us being the temple of God that it's removed all accountability and partnership in the community that God ingrained inside his church. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you know, we, we, went, from a, we went from a time where, man... That's like you take the building. Now, I do not in any way say we go back to the old days where if you come into the church and smile, you're going to get in trouble. I think this should be a happy place of family and fellowship. But, but what we've done is we have so focused on self that we have forgotten about. It's not about the building. It's about why are we here? Amen? Why are we here? 
And, and so when we are here, we should be about the purposes of God as, as it pertains to me worshiping Him and us worshiping Him, but also in, in how we receive guests and visitors coming in and make this place a hospitable place where people feel loved and accepted and are like, you know what, if I, if I, if I can come and be a part of this, I will grow in my relationship with God. Amen? You know, and we should be thoughtful of that. So we should really, I think, you know, the church is really bad about throwing the, the baby out with the bathwater. We find an error, and what we do is we just chunk everything, even the good. You know what? I came from a different time, but even in my different time as a kid, there were some powerful, strong things that were in the church that we have lost. We have lost the idea of faithfulness. We've lost the idea of commitment all across the world right now. People are, are it is more common now to, to miss church and to not be there. And it used to not be that way. And, and as, we, as we focus on, you know, your individual specialness, it becomes about us. And we detach from the big, grander idea that God has given us. That, man, we are a church. Amen. God said, I'm not going to manifest myself through William or just Mickey. I'm going to manifest myself through y'all. And if we aren't connected, if we aren't faithful to one another, if we aren't committed to one another, and if we aren't aligning with the Word of God individually and corporately, we're going to miss doing what God has called us to do. Amen? And, and so, you know, the seven churches in Revelations, uh, they are getting prophetic words about them, about some good things that they're doing, about some bad things they're doing, and some of them are some pretty tough words that weren't rebukes. They were just, look, you're fixing, to, you're fixing to go through hell. Not go to hell, but go through hell. You're fixing to go through some hard times. You're fixing to face death. You're fixing to face imprisonment. But he says this, he says, but you know what? But the second death will have no hold on you. And that second death is those that have rejected Christ and will go to hell for an eternity. That is the second death. But you know what? As a believer, we're only going to die one time unless Jesus comes before that time. Amen? That's the lucky few that ain't going to die no time. All right? They're just going to go straight into heaven. And uh, so if you go to Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 through 5, I'm going to read about the church of Ephesus, and I'll just kind of go over the other churches. But in Revelations 2, verses 2, he's talking to the church at Ephesus. He says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. So these people get it done, right? And they endure. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles, and are not, and found them to be false. Now, how do you do that? How do you test an apostle? Or a person with the word, amen? So the word was in there, right? So their works was there, their words was there, uh, you know, the, the, and the, their endurance was there. Their will to put their will down every day and say, Father, not my will, but yours. It says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. And this is his answer to fix that. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And so we actually, this church at Ephesus was commended across the board except something happened. They had lost 
their first love. Now, there's two different interpretations of this, or it could be both. Some people say that, you know what, they were doing the work of ministry. They were faithful. They weren't, they weren't growing weary. They were upholding the standards of the words and leadership. And as false prophets came in and were preaching another doctrine, they said, no, negative. This is not what the word says. But the deal is, is, is they had lost the love. And that could have been, first off, it could have been for people. The very thing that God called us to come and to take care of and to serve, they, they could have lost their love for people. You know, I call it um, compassion exhaustion. You help people and you help people and you help people and you help people and all of a sudden you're like, ugh. You're, just, you're, you're like a machine. You're doing it, but you're not doing it. You're not doing it out of love. And, and this is something that, that as a pastor and as a person, you're going to find yourself struggling with and all you can do is, is go to the Father and, and, and know that, man, you know, I need to, I need to be doing this out of love. Uh, secondly, uh, they could have lost their passion for Christ. You could, I mean, we, man, we could come here and sing songs and preach, you know, for, for, for a thousand years. But, but the, the, the bottom line of what we're doing here is loving a good God, amen, that sent his son to die on the cross. Our affections, our affection for Christ needs to always be kept in check. And so that was, that was the letter to Ephesus. And there was a letter to Smyrna. It says, be faithful unto death uh, because you're, you're going to be put to death because of your faith. They weren't rebuked for anything. They were just warned. You're going to be imprisoned. And he says, be faithful unto death. He says, uh, to which afterwards you will not see the second death. Know that this will be the only, the only suffering you'll have to endure. Uh, Pergamum, he says, they, they were allowing the teaching of Balaam and Thyatira was allowing Jezebel. They were, both of these churches were allowing the world to, to come into their church and apply their practices. And, and both of them, both of them were to do with uh, eating food that was offered to idols and sexual immorality. And I'm going to tell you what, if that doesn't speak to you in today's time, I don't know what will. But we as a church, God is warning this church, do not let one thing of all things, sexual immorality, become commonplace in the house of God. You know what, look, as a pastor, nothing surprises me. I think it surprises people at my response when they come up and confess, hey man, I've done a bad thing. I'm like, well, I'm not surprised. People do that. But what is important is that there is a heart that can't live like that and it is repented and it can be restored. Amen? You know, people do dumb things. I am one of them. I've done lots of dumb things in my Christian walk. But, it's, but when we begin to normalize what is wrong, when we begin to normalize what is sinful, we have missed the mark of the Word of God. And the Word of God says, the Word of God is what dictates is what is right and wrong. And it's real easy when you're in a wrong frame of mind to read the Word of God and to get something else out of it. I've heard some crazy stuff. And I'm going to tell you what, guys. Sexual immorality includes anything... That, has, that is not between a married man and a married woman. Amen? I mean, that's what the Bible says. Uh, anything other than that is not natural. You know, I, I've, I've, you know what? I, I, know, I know homosexual people. I love them. I talk to them. I don't mistreat them, but my desire is that they come to the Word. Amen? Me, I was, I was just a whoremonger before I got saved. I just, I, would, you know, I just wanted to sleep around. You know what? That's wrong, too. 
You know, the, the world wants us to focus on one sexual immorality when there's many sexual immoral things. And I'm going to tell you what, your kids are under way greater strain than you were as a teenager. And I don't know about you, I was under lots of strain as a teenager. And if you're not educating your kids about sex and what God says about sex, and just about sex, period, what it means, you better do it by the fourth grade because they're going to know more than you. Don't think that you're going to shelter your kids and I'm not going to say anything until they get older, protect them. No. By not communicating and talking with them, you are leaving them unprotected because they're going to be taught by the world. And the world is going to say, hey, this is what it's about. This is what is good. And it's hard to teach a young boy that sex is a bad thing in some cases, right? Because that's not what his body is telling him. And a woman either, you know, for that matter. So we, we need to communicate to them what God says about sex. Amen? Because how many of you have tried the world's way and it was good for a time? Yes, it was. But after it brought destruction and it brought hurt and it brought pain. Amen? And, and so God spends all of his time as our father trying to keep us, you know, really in, in, a, in, a, in a frame of, of peace, you know, from not doing stupid things, playing stupid games, winning stupid prizes. That's what we're to do as parents. But if we're not talking to them and communicating to them, they're, they're, they're on their own. They're defenseless, and they're, they're, they're open. And so, but, but, he, but the thing is, is, is these two churches were not upholding the Word of God. Now, for granted, there's a wrong way to uphold the Word of God, but there's a loving way to uphold the Word of God. But here's the deal. The Word of God cannot be compromised and say that we are walking with God doing what He's asked us to do. Uh, Sardis, they were, they were rebuked for incomplete works. Uh, Philadelphia, uh, we'll read about them in a, in a moment, actually. And then Laodicea, they were lukewarm. It says, you're neither cold nor you're hot, you're just lukewarm. Now, what the heck does that mean? Their water heater didn't work or what? I mean, no. It really had to do with complacency. And, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, so but anyway, but as you, read these four, as you read these letters, these seven letters to the church, I saw four things that God was looking for. I saw four things that, that was common across the board that was commended or was rebuked for not having in their church, in their life, in their walk with the Lord. And so here's the thing. For us to continue, if we want, if we want to take 25 years and beyond, we need to go to the Word and say, God, what do you want of us? Amen? What is our objective? How do you want us to do this? What's going to please you? I don't know about you, but I want the lamp of Jesus to shine bright for as long as it needs to be until he returns here in this place. Amen? I want our kids, when they grow up, I want them to keep the candle lit. You know, and by, you know Jesus keeps it lit, but I want them to align with Jesus so that the candle and the function of this church remains what it ought to be and that they endure and that they keep it strong. Because realistically thinking, I mean, I mean, just, just in my mind, I could only assume that it's not going to get easier for the church in the days to come. And if we now are weak and are not strong, it's going to have a great impact on our future generations. A great impact. Now, we need to keep in mind the foolishness and the faults of the church past that we've all experienced, and we need to communicate that to our kids but we need to also say, hey, but these are the things that God asked for from his church. And you need to keep them in front of you all the days of your life. 
And so the first thing that I feel like was very important to God's eye when he was, when he was judging the churches, and, and, or Jesus when he was judging the churches and communicating to them through the letters, the first thing is this, it's the Word. The Word of God. 1 John 2, 1 through 5 says this. Now, we've all heard this. Um, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. Oh, my God, we're all going to hell. I, I defaulted on a commandment just this morning. I said something to my wife on the way to church, you know, when she was finishing her makeup while she was driving and driving crazy. And But how many of you, when you read that scripture, he that doesn't keep God's commandments is a liar? Or it says, if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. And you're like, uh, well, maybe not 100%. Maybe my love is based on a percentage factor. You know, if you read that for, as that for face value, it's very, very frightening. But I want to read you the whole thing, okay? It gives you, a, it, it, it kind of, you, you can't, you know, that's why you got to read, you know, all scripture is written for your good, amen? You got to back up a little bit. Now, does that mean something? Yes, it does. But I want, I want you to go back to 1 John 2, verses 1. It says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, right? He says, But if anyone does sin, wink, wink, because <laughs> you probably will. He says, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Amen? So, so my salvation beginning and, and currently and forevermore is based on the work of Jesus and him interceding for me. Amen? And John says, look, I'm, I'm writing that you don't do things that you shouldn't do, but if you do, you, you have an advocate. Amen? Don't forget that. Don't forget that Jesus is your substitutionary atonement, that he paid the price for your sins. He died in your place. He paid the debt that you couldn't pay for the sins that we had all committed. But So, he, so, so that's a good thing. And he says, he is the propitiation for our sins and not of ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, and in him truly the love of God is perfected, by this we know that we are in him. Amen? And so he says if you sin, you have an advocate, but he's also saying that if you love Jesus, you're going to keep his word. And it sounds kind of contradictory. And we see the Bible where, the, where a lot of letters of rebuke were not sent to lost people because they were acting like lost people do. Just like we did when we was lost. you know. And, but, but they were letters to, to believers. A lot of the churches... Uh, that were written letters to in the in the New Testament were churches were letters of correction. Hey, hey, new creation, old things are passed away. Stop doing that. That's not what God has called you to do. Okay, no matter if you were a Gentile, a Roman, a barbarian, whatever you came from, now we are new creations. We don't do those things anymore. And so, but the thing of this is that what it, what it boils down to is this: if you're a believer, the word matters to you. Because if you're a believer, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has written the word on your heart. And when we violate scripture, it, 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 it cannot jive with a believer. Now, you might be able to sustain it for a period of time, but at some point, you're going you're gonna to break. You're going to be like, uh, you're going to know in your deepest heart of hearts that, man, this ain't right. But the thing is, is that the word is important. And God was looking at these people. Are you upholding the word? That I have given to you. 
Are you challenging people who are bringing another word into your body saying that it is the word by, by reading the word for itself? And so the word is so important. And so what does that mean for, for all of us? First off, that means that, that when I preach, I need to read the word and I don't need to be biased by any denomination. And I'm not bashing denominations, but I don't need to be biased by anything but the word of God. The Word of God should dictate what we believe, what we say. And I thank God for a dad who, who, who grew up and in, his, in his 30s, in his 40s, in his 50s, and, and now in his 60s. If he reads something that goes against what he was taught, he'll be the first to confess it. I've seen dad get up in the pulpit and say, Hey, you know what, I've been teaching this for 20 years, but today I want to denounce it and say it ain't right. And this is what the Word of God says. And so we can't. We got to make sure that we don't have incorrect filters on our eyes. But we read the Word of God, and and read it what it says, Amen. But the Word, and so we all we all need to read. We all need to read the Word of God. You can't rely on me to be your 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 source of nourishment. I'm to encourage you to read your Word. I'm to help you read the Word. But I'm not God, Amen. You're not reading to appease me or please me. You're reading, and you're not even reading to, to appease God. or, or it, it does please Him, but you're reading so that you can get to know Him. It's all about getting to know God, and the more we know God, the more effect He has in our life. Amen? The more opportunity there, the, the more blessing, the more, you know, the more wisdom. I mean, go read Proverbs. Lots to say about that, and, and also a lot about that sex stuff, too. You tell your kids to read Proverbs. Maybe that'll scare them to death, you know. I don't know. You know, we do, We should, because here's the deal. By the word, we should have a reverence and a fear of the Lord God. Not a, not a Freddy Krueger fear. A loving daddy fear. He loves me, and because he loves me, he says, I will discipline you because I love you. And it will be evidence that you're my kids. The second thing we see here is we see that works are being looked at. He says in Ephesians 2, but here's the deal about it works. If you read Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it gives you a proper view of works. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. We're not saved by works. I don't want to break, hurt your feelings, but none of you are good enough, smart enough, or gifted enough to work out your own salvation. Amen. It's, it's either Jesus or it ain't. Paul tells the, the Galatians, he says, hey, if you think circumcision is the key to your salvation, he says, just cut the whole thing off and you'll be really saved. That's what he says. I imagine all the women in the church then went, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. But that's what he says in the Bible, that we're to read from this pulpit. I mean, you know, if you're going to make a point, make a point, right? If you're going to make a point, make sure it, it stabs, that it, it, you can feel it when it touches you. You know what I mean? So that's Paul's, that's Paul's argue. One of his arguments for this is that we are saved by faith, not through works. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. So there are some works that matters, but it's not the, it is the, it, the, the works that matter are the results. Amen? They're the, they're the end, not the means, in our relationship with Christ. It says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God wants us to do good works, but those works are a result of him 
putting a son in my life, not me earning a relationship with his son. And, and here's the thing, though. How do I know what works to do by reading the word and while obeying? It's, it's interesting about Jesus is that Jesus, it says Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. I'm actually jumping to another point. The Bible talks about how did Jesus learn to be the perfect son? Through obedience of the word and through suffering. I am doing what God has called me to do. No matter how I feel, no matter what my flesh wants, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. But he learned his obedience through that. Obedience is a learned thing. That's why Dad had to spank my butt many, many, many times. I was a slow learner. You know, don't do that, son. Okay. But Dad turned his head, and I'd do it again. But Dad was persistent. And eventually, I quit doing some things. And uh, if I was small enough, he'd probably still spank me. He does, just not with a belt. But I need him sometimes. We all do. Sometimes we need a spanking. Everybody lift your hand and say, I need a spanking sometimes, you know. Because of our attitudes, our disobedience, or whatever it may be, we need a spanking. Now, it may not be a, it may not be a belt or a switch or, 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 a, or a cane pole, but, but we need a spanking. And sometimes we get that from the Word of God. The Bible says that the Word is good for our reproof, for our rebuke, for our training in righteousness. Amen? And that's why we read it. Say, Lord, which, what do I need today? And if, and if it's a rebuke, then, then repent and, and get, get on the other side. Get on the flip, the flip side of that real fast, right? And, and be done with it. You don't have to stay there. The, the third thing that we see is our warmth. Now, it was the only W I could find. These are all four Ws because Chad West is going to have it that way. Chesty Puller would be not proud of me if I you know, changed one of them. But uh, if you know what a chesty puller is, God forgive your soul. Please go on Wikipedia, look it up. But, uh, but warmth, Revelations 3, 15 through 17. This was the letter to Laodicea. It says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would, you, would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. God, these people make God sick. He says, for, I, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. These people have gotten to a place where they think we've arrived. They were complacent. They thought that they just really didn't need God anymore. And I'm going to tell you what. If you ever find yourself in that place, relocate very quickly. Relocate very quickly. Because I guarantee you, if you hang out there long enough, you're going to find yourself crying out to God saying, Okay, God, I was wrong. Uh, I'm, this is definitely not the mentality that I should have. And, and so we, God is looking for people. He, he doesn't desire us to be cold. He'd prefer us to be hot. He prefers to be hot. To, in other words, have zeal. Amen? Have a zeal. Have a fire. Have a belief, a conviction that, man, this God is good. He has blessed me. You know, keep, keep everything in perspective. Don't get complacent. See, we, we could easily say, man, God's done a lot of great things in 25 years Good on him. All right, let's just, let's just continue on. No. I'm like, what does God have more? Amen? I, I was reading in Haggai where he made a promise that, man, if you, if, you, if you do what I ask you regarding the temple, he says, my glory will be greater than the latter. He says, my greater will be more strong and our relationship will be better than you've ever seen it. Amen? And, and I desire that for this church. And, and this church meaning each and every one of you, 
walking in a stronger relationship with God. So, so we got to make sure that we don't get complacent and that we keep our zeal hot. You know what? I don't have a hot zeal all the time. I don't. How do we how do we keep a, a, a you know how do we how do we keep a zeal? Hey, I've tried to psych myself out. I said that I think the night of worship, you know, or last last Sunday, talking about psyching yourself out. Psyching yourself out is fine as long as what you're saying is actually true, because it gives you a hope. The Bible is so filled with scriptures about all of us encouraging one another, admonishing one another, helping the weak, amen? I mean, dragging each other on. And so it's not a one-man thing. All of these things, that's why he's speaking to the church. He's not speaking to an individual because an individual can't do all this stuff on their own. It takes a church. It takes a people to stand on God's word. It, it, it's, it's so much easier to stand on something when you know somebody's going to be standing beside you. Amen? It's so much easier to do something when you know that somebody's going to be helping you do it. It's so much easier to do something that when you grow weary and faint that somebody's going to compel you and push you to do what God created you to do. Amen? And so we need to make sure that we keep our zeal in check. That we don't just get cold and we don't lose heart. We, you know, Paul says, don't grow weary in doing good. Why? Because doing good gets tiresome. And maybe sometimes we're doing too much. You know, we, there, there is the physical aspect of, man, I'm just too busy. And when you're too busy and you're wearing yourself out, that's why God gave us a day of rest. So that we can sustain our physical bodies to do the spiritual work that he's called us to do. And so the last one is... is is, is a matter of the will. Hebrews 12.3 says this, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. What I'm talking about here is endurance. He keeps talking about these churches about endurance. Man, you have endured. Or you need to endure because you're fixed to go through some hard times. But endurance, it's, it's, it's the fourth thing that I really see. And, and what I mean by that is, our will to do God's will. It's a will thing, but you got to make sure you keep that in perspective. If it becomes your will, God will shut your race down. But when, when I submit my will daily to God to say, God, I will to do your will. Not my will, God, but your will. Amen. That's in the Lord's Prayer. It's something that we should be proclaiming every day. It's, we let our flesh die every day and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, I'm looking at your word and it's telling me to do these works and to be zealous about it. I'm going to endure and I'm going to do it because I know it's right. Amen? We can't always go off of feelings. Man, if I was, man, if I was going off of feelings, y'all would be in trouble. I'm not talking, and it had nothing to do with you. I'm just saying, I don't feel like helping people all the time. You know what I mean? There's time. But you know what? That's what I'm called to do. I'm not going to lie and say I love doing stuff. I don't like working sometimes. How many of you like working all the time? How many of you like to have a break sometimes? You like working all the time? We'll pray for you, okay? We'll pray for you. Yeah, but you go hunting, don't you? See, that's not working, so you're wrong. Okay, I just fixed You're fixed now. You're hot, John. I fixed you. So, so well, what I'm saying is, is you know how many times I could have went hunting, but I had to go work on an off day to help somebody that was in need? Amen? Because it wasn't about my will. It was about God's will. And sometimes we can't do what we got to do. We got to say, hey, you know, and, and that's part of the endurance. That's really a subtle thing. We have to endure. We have to endure ourselves 
to obey Scripture sometimes. Sometimes we have to endure others as they ridicule us for obeying Scripture. But either way, you've got to endure sometimes. But you know what? When you ain't by yourself, when you've got a posse of praise and prosperity and peace. and What's some other peace? I don't know. That was cheesy. I'm sorry about that. But, but, but when you've got a people. I couldn't help it, man. Peace just keep going on. When you have a people around you, amen, that know the word. And maybe not all of them are zealous, but most of them, right? We'll get the, we'll get the rest of you through. That way you got to return the favor, though, right? When I'm down, you can, you can, you can lift me up. You see, there, that's, that's the church, amen? And God wants a church that, that walks in the word, that does the good works he's called us to do, that stays very warm on the hot side of zeal and submits our will to God every day of our lives, individually, therefore collectively, amen? So that, that's, that is how, you know, we, we can just continue or we can continue. Continue. And so my, my question to you today, this is just a general altar call, all right? What is the Holy Spirit speaking in your life? Study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Are you that person when it comes to the Word? Do you read the Bible? Yeah, I read it one time last year. You read the Bible. And no, no, no. I don't get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and read the Bible five hours a day. And if you can, God bless you. I ain't doing it. But I am reading the Bible. You need to read the Bible. You know, you know we live in a time where it's easier to hear Scripture than it ever has been. You can plug it into your car audio and play it while you're driving. And as long as you're not looking for deer while you're driving, it's pretty productive. You can focus on Scripture. You see what I'm saying? We should, we should know the Word. The works. Are you doing what God has called you to do? Now, here's the problem. We get a calling in our life, and we, we think we're going to go from here to here. If you want to know what that journey looks like, talk to William and I. You know? From the day God called me to preach, it was a long time before I preached my first sermon. But here's the deal. I was an excellent sweeper, mopper, bathroom cleaner, do whatever it takes guy, whatever needed to be done. And, and that's, what, that's, where, that's where so many people today are struggling. They don't, they don't want to walk the journey to the place of where you're not just called, but you're, what Robert Morris says, you're sent. Just because you're called doesn't mean you're ready to be sent. you got to be sendable, right? That means our character needs to be reasonable. I mean, you got to be perfect. If that's the case, I'll just fire me right now. But, you know, but, but it needs to be, you need to be mature enough, be responsible enough that, that somebody can walk off and leave you in charge of something. You need to be faithful. The Bible says to teach faithful men that will teach others. And their faithfulness sets the, sets the standard and the pattern for everybody else to be faithful as well so that everybody's solid. Uh, to, be, to be full of zeal, you know. You know, zeal could be affected by many things. Maybe we're too caught up in worldly things that, that absorb all our time, talents, and resources that we don't have it for, for what God wants us to do. But you know what? Maybe it's just an attitude. Amen? Sometimes you can just repent of a bad attitude. And you can just say, God, you've called me. God, you know, if God, if God created you to be a mule, you're a dang mule. You ain't going to be a racing stallion. You're a mule. Mules have purposes. I'm not saying you're a jazz donkey. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying God, God created you a certain way to function in a certain way. Quit trying to be something that you ain't. Find out who you are and be zealous to do it. Amen? Robert Morris told me, he says, set your face like flint to the things that God has called you to do. 
because he said, you're an expert in so many things, and, and not really, but what he meant was that, like, I studied things. I'm a studier. Like, I was, when I was a Marine Scout sniper, I was all about that. And he says, you need to take all that focus and set it towards becoming the guy that God wants you to be to do what God has called you to do. Amen? And then lastly, we need to endure. We need to endure. You know, we, we need to endure in a way that, that, that builds people's faith, not destroys it. And you know what? I think there's a proper time to whine and cry, but it's to God in your prayer chamber. Amen? Now, you could whine, to, but you know what? Facebook isn't the place to whine and cry as a believer because you're telling the world that, man, this, this God is not taking good care of me. But you know what? You can go to a brother and sister and bear your heart to them and say, man, this is what I'm feeling. You know, David, all the Psalms, you know, I was re- Robert was talking last night, and he said, he says, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after thee. We didn't know what the heck that meant until now. He explained it, and it's awesome. David wrote this in a time of duress. And you know what? The only thing that makes a deer pant, how many of you have ever been at the deer stand? You see a, you see a deer come up to the feeder, and he's going, <laughs> That's, dogs do that. But a deer doesn't. How many of you have ever seen a, do- a, a deer ran in front of a dog? The only time a deer is going to pant is when he is running from the enemy. That's the only thing that makes a deer pant. The only reason he's going to run that hard is because he's trying to save his life. And David is saying, Lord, just like a deer is trying to save his life, like a deer pants for the water, my soul longs for you because I'm running for my life here. My enemies are gathered around me to destroy me. He says that, uh, Robert said that a deer loses 80% of its water when it runs hard for a certain amount of time. If it runs too hard, it'll just die. That's how much, that's why that water is so important to that deer. That's how important God is to us and our ability to endure. God God has to give us our endurance. We're not going to get it from anywhere else. Everybody just bow your head and close your eyes. But before we go, I want to ask you something. Which one of these stands out to you the word do you read the word works are you doing what god has called you to do are you a servant the warmth have you lost your zeal your will are you enduring this life for the sake of what god has called you to for the word now you know i believe that that several of you one of those things stood out maybe all of them i don't know you might be in a big old mess. I've been in those before, and it's okay. But you know what? You don't have to stay there. Today is a grand opportunity to approach the Father and say, Father, being that you are the source of the Word, being that you are the reason I do the works that I do, being that you are the thing that gives me zeal, and being that you are my encouragement in this race, Lord, I need you today in my life. Now, how many of you would be honest today and say, that's me. There's one of those things that speak into my heart. Just lift your hands. Amen. Hands everywhere. And you know what? I think we have seen New Year's resolutions fail so many times that we open our years now with this joking mentality about New Year's resolutions. So what are we to do? Not do anything? But you know what? We're not trying to make resolutions here. We're trying to get to know the resolver. Amen? 
That's, what we, that's all we need to do. We need to get to know the resolver. We need to get to know the one who can heal our brokenness, who can give us the wisdom on what to do, who can give us the zeal and who can set our heart ablaze in this life. But this is what I want you to do. We're not going to be here long, but I think it's important that we take time to respond to what the Holy Spirit's saying in our hearts. And I'm going to ask the altar team to come up. But this is, a, this is a general altar call. You don't have to come to somebody. If you want to just come to the altar and just say, Lord, help me in this area, or I repent, or Lord, give me strength, or Lord, give me wisdom, whatever it may be, I want you to come and deal with it. You know what's cool? The Bible says we're not known for our long prayers, so it just doesn't take a long time. It just takes a moment to reconnect with the Father and say, Lord, I need you to cry out for his help. But if that's you, as everybody stands, and Sharissa just leads us in a short song, if you would, just come and deal with what the Holy Spirit's put on your heart today. Come and just lay on the altar right now, right now, so, so before we go, just come and just say, Lord, I need this, or here this is, or whatever it is. Y'all come as Sharissa leads us.